It is Locked on Jazz for the 9th of March. Oh boy, how a week changes everything. Jazz have won five in a row. Is everything fixed? We'll look at that, plus what a crazy week it was, where the playoffs sit. Get you ready for the Raptors and jog around the NBA. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Gives you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully makes it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you so much uh, for what you guys have done for the show. Uh, Just some of the numbers and things like that and where Locked on Jazz is. Just stunning to me. Uh, and want to thank you uh, very much for that, as well as the, the entire network. Uh, today's where the network is great. I mean, I'm dying to hear what the Rockets have to say. I'm dying to hear what the Celtics have to say. I'm dying to hear what the Nuggets have to say after the weekend. I'm dying to hear the Kings. Matt George is just always kind of up and down excited. The Pelicans running for their playoff spot. So there's a lot of uh, exciting, exciting things uh, out there. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we've just been to the top 200 podcasts uh, somewhat regularly in the top 20 basketball podcasts, um, you know, top 100 on Spotify of overall podcasts, uh, sports and recreation podcasts. So super thankful for uh, all of the effort, uh, time, commitment you guys put in uh, to the program. All right, so a week ago, I sat here and kind of said, all right, we'll see. Let's just get it fixed. And if we can get ourselves right by April 15th, that's fine. Home court is seemingly out of the window. Like, that's just not going to happen. Like, the home, the numbers don't add up for us to get to home court. We're sitting at March 1. There are five weeks left. A lot could happen. But come on, not a lot could happen, right? Like, that was kind of my point a week ago. And then... And 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 I you know I think on on the 29th, which I, I believe was Saturday the 29th, um, uh, kind of started the week off like the Lakers lost a weird one, but Houston won that big game against Boston, and 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 then De- T- Denver got that huge win over Toronto, 133-118, and it sure felt as though like there's no way that things are going to get right. So we so we went to Cleveland and. And we won 126 to, to 113 and took two, you know, beat the Knicks. It's like nothing. Like, of course you beat the Knicks. And and then after we finished beating the Knicks, we got a great win Friday night in Boston. 99-94. Took advantage of no Gordon Hayward. No Jason, uh, no Jalen Brown in that game. And the story that night was our defense. Our pick-and-roll defense was back for a night. And that we put out our sixth best defensive performance of the season. We are an elite offensive team. Even in that game where we weren't great offensively, shot 17 to 45 from three. We took 45 or 80 shots from three. Our shot profile was pretty strong. Donovan and Boyan weren't great. Mike Conley was amazing. Jordan Clarkson had 17. We suddenly won a game on defense and a game without Boyan Bogdanovich and Donovan Mitchell having a big night. Okay, that that felt super different. I mean, 
that was a another road win. We've we've been pretty good at the on the road here recently, and uh, in fact, we have last time we lost on the road was the fifth of February. The three point loss on the back to back in Denver, and that was a that's that's an that's a mammoth performance. Uh, Jason Tatum and Kemba Walker came in in the 99th percent or 90th percentile, both of them in pick and roll defense and, or offense, and were not actually very good in pick and roll defense. What? I know it's weird. We're it, it, we're having to go through such a transition on who we are, but our defense against the pick and roll ball handler specifically, the guy with the ball in their hand, we ranked 22nd. In the NBA. Now we do some things really well. We don't foul. Um, we don't force turnovers. And they sh- only shoot 46% effective field goal percentage on their shots. It's not the most efficient play for the ball handler to actually take that shot. In the half court. And if we fixed our transition defense and we got a little bit better off the handoff, that this wouldn't be that big a deal. But in that game, when Boston's going to come out and run this many picks and do all those things, that felt like a not very good matchup. With Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker in the 90th percentile as ball handlers being able to hit that mid-range shot, pull into it, and then Rudy Gobert played up higher. We defended that pick and roll a little differently. We got into their game and blew up their pick and roll and had them have one of their worst pick and roll games of the year and, you know, impacted them. Kemba's got some issues going on. Kemba's not finishing at the rim at all. Uh... And in that game, Kemba went one of seven on threes and hit one hit the one mid-range jumper he took, but he couldn't he didn't have any room to pull in to much of any mid-range jumpers. Tatum, who's just bona fide, was 0 for 3 on long twos in that game. All on the right side of the floor, not having him be particularly comfortable. The Jazz kind of knew that if they played Kemba certain directions, he would do certain things, and they took advantage of that. So that was, now that that win felt like real. Like that's, that was a great win. And then the next day we go into Detroit and on a back end of a back-to-back against a really hapless Detroit team, against a Detroit team that, that wants to lose, executed perfectly last night, losing to New York, playing a maybe Christian Woods and NBA rotation player. Like, they're not playing an NBA rotation player. Maybe Tony Snell is, but I'm not certain of that. I've always liked John Henson, but he hasn't proven to be. Like, they're not playing an NBA rotation player. And we took a huge lead up over 20. We've not lost a game in four seasons, three and a half in the regular season, and led the whole way. It got tied in the fourth, and then we promptly went on and scored for, uh, hit seven straight shots, and they didn't score for five minutes, and we took it right back up to, to 16, and then it got all the way back down, but frankly, that's kind of the ebb and flow of a game. And that actually then gets to the next question, and in that game, you know, we got back to normal, right? So Donovan got it rolling and had 25, and Boyan had his 11th game of 30 or more, and Mike played his first back-to-back in the rotation. Like, we're just playing the same guys. We've got a nine-man rotation. The bench unit wasn't as good that night, but we have some identity to it. Things just feel really, really different. So are they? 
you know, are they? Is everything, the question I got when I was saw people back home yesterday or on the chairlift or wherever was, hey, is everything right? And my answer is, I honestly don't know. The offense is really good. We had our 8th best, 2nd best, 12th best offensive games in the last five. The defense, I don't know. I still really honestly don't know. And it's hard to tell a little bit in this sense. The natural flow of the game. The team, a, a team, we've never had this before, but good offensive teams will play the margin a little bit. So if we're up 15... We'll just try to out, continue to outscore you because we're good enough offensively to do it. Uh, and then we don't do it. Uh, I do think we go into every game with the mentality of we're going to outscore them. Boston, maybe we understood the level of intensity we had to play with defensively and we frankly weren't that great offensively. That game. Those are, frankly, could be related too. We ha- we, when we are at our best offensively, we often are not at our best defensively, either because we're rolling offensively and don't need to be at our best, or that our energy is going the other direction. And then when we're at our best defensively, we're not often quite as good offensively, which is strange. You think we'd actually run off those misses and, and, and create those blowouts that we used to create. We are a offensive team. Like That is the reality of who we are as a basketball team as we are an offensive basketball team. And we have, you know, I watched the Lakers and the Clippers last night, yesterday. They're both incredible. I mean, incredible. And watching them, like, I don't know how we guard them, and I don't know how we ever get stops. And on the other end, you know what? They got to get stops against us too. And in because of that, we actually have a chance to beat those teams. I, I don't, I'm not saying we, well, we have a chance because we're good enough offensively. This will be, you know, there's an interesting little week here for us. So since we added Jordan Clarkson, we're the number one offense in the NBA with a rating of 117.5. And the next closest is Dallas at 115.9 and then Denver at 115.1. So we're 3.3 points per hundred possessions better than anyone but Dallas or Denver. Now, the five best defensive teams in the NBA are Milwaukee. We haven't played them in that stretch. Toronto, we haven't played them in that stretch. The Lakers, we haven't played them in that stuff. Boston, we've played twice. And the Clippers, we've played, we haven't played in that stretch. We might have played once in that stretch. I don't think we actually have. No, maybe we did right after we got Jordan. On December, like, 26th. Didn't we play the Clippers? 28th. And against the Clippers, we were pretty good offensively we had a pretty big game against Boston in our two games against Boston and you're not going to be 117 against these teams we were 111 in one game and 104 in the other so we weren't great so this will be interesting they're playing Toronto tonight they're on a back-to-back we got the Lakers twice coming up here and so then we'll have suddenly played five of our games against the top five defenses in the league we haven't played Philadelphia who's the sixth best defense in this stretch I'm not sure we might have played Indiana once in this stretch we did, um, and then we'll have Oklahoma City, who's the ninth best defense this week. So we will play some of the best defensive teams in the league and see whether our 117.5 is legit. That'll be the first question. And then defensively, I'm just, you know, I think I look at it, and since December 24th, we're the 18th ranked defense in the league. And I think that might be right. So I don't know entirely that it's all fixed. I don't think we're suddenly a top five, top 10 defensive team. 
We are an elite-level offensive team that can outscore people, and that is a dramatically different than what we used to be. Uh, we'll look at what was a crazy, crazy, crazy week and how it's changed our worlds as we continue. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Chevy. Murdoch Chevy is located out in Woods Cross, also in Logan. Chevy and Murdoch have been together for 90 years in Utah. Chevy is just a part of Americana. Murdoch's been connected to them and part of Utah. So you've got Utah, you've got Americana, you've got that combination. Then you've got a great truck lineup. The Silverado and the Colorado. Chevy's got the best trucks on the land. The Colorado is the smaller version. Really useful. Uh, fun to have. Uh, manageable. The Silverado, to me, is like the luxury truck. It was When I drove it, it was like having a lazy boy chair that I could drive in. I was above everyone. I was comfortable. I was relaxed. It was cool. It had great pickup. It was awesome to have the Silverado. The Blazer was the Chevy I drove most recently. It was the one that got the most wows and comments and questions because it looked so good. Drove beautifully, perfectly put together. Uh, great uh, touch screens and all of those aspects, things you can tell that the Chevy's done a really nice job in, in user-friendliness. The Equinox as well in the SUV lineup is one I've driven, and it is, if you're looking for an SUV, a strong, strong car. The Chevy lineup is there, and there's the racing Corvette as well. In 90 years in Utah, the Murdochs and Chevrolet. Stop by in Woods Cross. Stop by in Logan. If you're going to stop by, feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. So what a week it was. Let's get back to that. So Monday, I'm telling you all this stuff. I think I'm telling you the truth. I think it's, and and when, and when you know, ever, as I told you, Denver's beat Toronto and things seem that way. So we go to Cleveland and we win, and all of a sudden the Rockets lose in New York 125-123. And they're down 20 in the first half. Like, the night before or whatever is, like, they're down 20 to the Knicks in the first half. Now, Ron and I go rewatch that game on the plane flight afterwards, and Mike Miller, the coach of the Knicks, is playing a different defense against Houston than anyone else has. Now, we see it. It's different. He's bringing a third guy over to the strong side so that the drive is coming into someone and cutting off their drives. So you look at, you know, the Rockets took 56 threes in that game. It was like they're still doing what they want to do. And so they win that. They lose 125, 123. You're like, well, that, that opens the door a little bit. Simultaneously, Dallas loses to Chicago 109, 107. They didn't have Chris Dasperzingis, but still nobody's losing to Chicago. Okay, weird night. Move on. Nothing couldn't couldn't be like that though. Full moon of the NBA is gonna last all week. We proceed through the week. Oklahoma City gets blasted by the Clippers, who are just great in we don't think anything of it. And Denver loses at home to Golden State 116 to 100. Totally inexplicable. Completely 100% inexplicable. And Denver leads the game by 15 in the third and somehow loses it by a lot. A 30 point swing in the second half of that game. Strange. We get to the 4th of March. And the Jazz go beat the Knicks, 112-104. 
Dallas wins again. Watch Portland wins. Not we don't really care. Nothing seems strange in the NBA. We get to the 5th of March, and Denver just about loses to Charlotte, 114 to 112. Denver actually trails Charlotte by eight in that fourth quarter and dodges the bullet and wins it 114 to 112 on like a 9-0 run to close. So you can't be that lucky. Clippers blow out the Rockets 120-105, and you think, well, the Clippers are great. And you move to the sixth. Well, all of a sudden, we beat Boston, and at the end, and you start to think to yourself, like, well, that's a bit, that's a little bit of a change. Like, no one expected us to do that. And we go to Friday, Saturday, and we're wrapping up our, we're starting our game against Utah and Detroit, and Charlotte opens up on a 20 to nothing lead on the Rockets. So we're following that one. And watch Charlotte beat Houston 108-99. And all of a sudden, Houston has trailed by 17, 17, 26, and 25 in the first half of their last five games. Like, I'm, I'm, I must have missed as badly as anything I've ever missed on. Something is suddenly disastrously wrong in Houston. Like, I thought they were unguardable, un- unable to be prepared for. Mike Miller put in that defense for the Knicks and t- teams are following. And all of a sudden, Houston loses against Charlotte, 108-99. Well, we're keeping an eye on the Denver-Cleveland game while we're playing and kind of joking on the air about, well, like, this can't really last. I mean, Denver's completely in control. They're up 12. They're, and then all of a sudden, they get to halftime. And it's like a two-point game. And we open up the third quarter and Cleveland leads. And then Denver goes back up by four in the fourth and we swing back and all of a sudden I'm now doing play-by-play in the arena as watching on television as Colin Sexton has 25, Kevin Love posts up on the left side, scores a bunch and Cleveland beats Denver. So Denver is suddenly an ounce away from having lost to Golden State, Charlotte and Cleveland in three straight games. Houston has just lost to Charlotte and New York, and the Clippers, no surprise. And we get to last night with 11 games on the schedule and a lot of basketball to watch and a great one between the Lakers and the Clippers and Oklahoma City steals one literally in Boston. And Indiana suddenly, Victor Oladipo hits a pull-up jumper and Indiana wins in Dallas as Luka misses a bunch of threes. And Orlando goes up 30 in the first half on the Rockets. 30. Oh, no, that was in the opening part of the second half. 30. The Rockets never lead in this game after the opening five or six minutes. They never lead by more than two. And Orlando runs the Rockets off the floor last night. Orlando. Scoring at will, fast-breaking, driving to the basket, killing them. Orlando without Evan Fournier, without Jonathan Isaac. Harden goes 6 of 19, continues his shooting slumps. Jeff Green goes 8 of 8, and the Rockets lose. Just insanity. 
Cleveland, though, by the way, goes and beats San Antonio in overtime last night. LaMarcus didn't play, and they did play Andre Drummond and had Tristan Thompson back, who only played eight minutes, who didn't didn't play necessarily against us, but Tristan uh, Andre Drummond didn't. But suddenly, Cleveland's actually won a bunch of games. Well, now, all of a sudden, like things that I told you had no chance of happening feel very different. 538.com, ESPN, and basketball reference playoff predictions. Let's see what they have to say because they're all very different seven days later than what they were before. Today's show is brought to you in part by Homie. Homie has done to the real estate market what this last week did to the NBA playoff picture. Turned it upside down and changed everything about it. So for years, you just paid your 3%, the 6% of all transactions went to real estate agents and the prices just kept going up and up and up and up and real estate agents kept taking more and more and more and more for doing the exact same job that they've always done. Well, then Homie came around and now it's tried and true. With over 50 million in savings from commissions, Homie did over a billion dollars of real estate transactions in 2019. Now expanding into other marketplaces with an academic study in their back pocket from BYU professors that show that Homie is selling homes for more money eight days faster over the past three years. And Homie is saving their sellers $10,000. Sellers $10,000. We've told you how you can buy a home with Homie. You can also sell your home with Homie. Uh... So sellers have saved, sorry, we've been telling you about how you can sell your home with Homie, and that's where you can also buy your home with Homie. I said that backwards. Text LOCK to L-O to 88588. That's LOCK to 88588 because Homie Agent will help you find your dream home, tour homes, make offers, negotiate the best deal, and then work to get you $5,000 back on the buy side. So Homie can sell your home for you, we just gave you the reports on that. They can also buy your home for you. That's right. So go to text LOCK, L-O-C-K-E, to 88588 and find out more about what Homie can do for you. You can buy with Homie, save thousands, because Homie's got your back as they turn the real estate market into what happened to the NBA real estate market over the weekend. So now where do we sit? 538 is still not that excited for us. Their Raptor ranking system, which largely is based on like if everyone gets to their full strength, and they don't like the Jazz, frankly. Their system with the Jazz, with everyone at full strength, has the Jazz as the 14th ranked team in the NBA. So they're like, they don't, they're not big on the Jazz. With that said, they have the Lakers at 64 wins, the Clippers at 57, the Nuggets at 54, and the Rockets and Jazz tied at 52, with the Thunder at 50 and the Mavericks at 49. So 4-5 matchup against the Rockets. But with a chance for home court. We're up two games in the loss column. This is obviously a big week. We got a lot of potential L's sitting on the system. They also have their ELO forecast system. I don't really know the difference, but that is a little bit more advantageous to the Jazz 
That has the Jazz at third, tied with the Nuggets at 52 wins. With the Rockets at 50, and the Thunder at 51, and the Rockets going, us playing now a 3-6 matchup against the Rockets. Can't flippin' avoid the Rockets. ESPN's BPI basketball odds, which were last updated yesterday. So I don't have an update today. Going into yesterday, um, has the Clip Lakers at 63, the Clippers at 57, the Jazz now at 53, the Rockets and Nuggets tied at 52, with Dallas at 50 and the Thunder at 49. So that's us in a 3-6 matchup against the Mavericks in the first round of the playoffs. Might be dreamy. Though they're equally as good as we are offensively, we're really actually very similar to them. I know we think of ourselves so differently, right? It's very hard for us to wrap our heads around that we're actually like the exact same as the Dallas Mavericks. But we're pretty similar. Our defenses are the exact same rating and our offense... Since Clarkson has been better for the season, is not as good. And the last one is the basketball reference look. That has us at 52 wins tied with the Nuggets. Rockets at 51.3. Dallas at 50.2. Oklahoma City at 49.6. They still have Memphis getting in over the Pelicans, by the way. They have a percentage breakdown. They have us at a 25% chance now for the third seed. 24th percent chance for the fourth seed. So we are now over a 52 at 52% chance of home court advantage. That was like 26% when the week started. That is that is crazy different than it was. Unpredictable also has a playoff metric out there. I have not checked that one. Um to see where that sits and where the um, where everybody looks at that one, because um, and their and their system actually does a nice job of they kind of look at betting markets, projected seeds, all that. Here, I'll give you their I have theirs. They project us five percent as the two seed. Okay, that's unlikely. 29th percent is the three seed. 28th percent is the four seed. Suddenly our most likely scenario, while not by a large margin, our most likely is the third seed. Who saw this coming? And they have us at an even higher number. They only have us as a 39% chance of us starting on the road. Pretty wild. What a turnaround. All right, quick scan of, uh, we always like to take that kind of scan of where the NBA is last 10 games um, and last two weeks of basketball on Mondays. The number one NBA, uh, number one offense in the NBA over the last 10 games is the Denver Nuggets, followed by Orlando. Really weird. They were hardly playing anyone, but they played Houston. Miami, Philadelphia, Utah. Houston is at sixth. So over the last 10 games, offenses that are struggling, the Lakers are 23rd in the league offensively over the last 10 games. Milwaukee is 24th. Surprising. 
Memphis is 26th and Indiana's 27th. So you don't really expect that. Defensive rating over the last 10 games. Milwaukee's still better than everyone else. Lakers are number two. Indiana's number three. That's how they're surviving. Toronto, who we'll see tonight, is number four. Dallas is fifth best defensively over the last 10 games. Dallas would be no cupcake in the playoffs. You're not going to get a cupcake in the Western Conference playoffs. We're not in the East. Teams that are not defending right now, Denver is 29th in the league defensively over the last 10 games. Almost even a differential because they're the number one offense. Philadelphia is now not defending also, but that's because Joel Embiid's been hurt for a while. And we're 23rd defensively. That might just, you know, have not seen a sign that that's not who we are. For all of our winning, that I don't think has been fixed. Last 10 games, Milwaukee, Lakers, Dallas, Clippers, Raptors are the best teams in the league. We're right even, 6-4. and four. No real surprise to anyone other than, frankly, Utah, Philadelphia, and Denver are all sitting right at average over the last 10 games. Frankly, I kind of believe in a wider sample size, too. It's The world changed on us. Our opportunities are greater. But I'm not entirely convinced that what just happened beating Washington, Cleveland, Detroit, and New York makes that, changes everything. What I, what I did learn is as much as there's some talk of the East and the West getting similar, the luxury of playing those bottom teams in the Eastern Conference is something that Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee have is just incredible. Right, Toronto just played Sacramento, who's basically one of our bottom teams and went to the final second of the game to get a really good win. They're not doing that against Cleveland. I mean, I know Sacramento's 10th right now and trying to battle for a playoff spot. But frankly, Sacramento, Phoenix, San Antonio, Minnesota are... Golden State's bad, fine. So that's our Atlanta. But then they have Cleveland, Detroit, New York, Chicago, Washington, Charlotte. Like, Washington's battling for a playoff position. They're 23 and 40. They're awful. New Orleans is to Washington. Sacramento is to Charlotte. Portland is to Chicago. San Antonio is to New York. Phoenix is to Detroit. And Minnesota is to Cleveland. Those are not the same things. So being in the East is a gift. Toronto comes into town. They're not super right now. They're pretty good defensively. Number two defensive team in the NBA. Over the last two weeks, they're 16th offensively and 13th defensively. They've been battling a ton of injuries and still finding a way to win. They are likely without Fred Van Vliet tonight, but otherwise have gotten pretty healthy. Marcus Gasol played last night. They're on a back-to-back, so you don't have, you know, I have no idea what they're going to do. Like this Kyle Lowry, I think, goes on a back-to-back, but, but not certain. Norman Powell dropped 30 again last night. He's done that a few times recently. They've won three in a row after losing three in a row. Um, Prior to that, they went bananas. You'll remember they won 15 in a row, and now they've kind of taken a deep breath. I mean, they're super. Their wins recently, though, are Sacramento on this road trip are Sacramento, Golden State, and Phoenix. Losing at Denver, Charlotte, and Milwaukee. Beating Indiana and Phoenix at home. Losing to Brooklyn. Beating, Min- and then the other's the 15-game win streak. The 15-game win streak, by the way, which was t- incredible, 
included a win over Oklahoma City to start it, a win over Philadelphia, and then two wins over the Pacers, who were very much in a mess because of Oladipo being back. Otherwise, they they got a they got a nineteen and twenty one in their schedule the same way we did. Should be a good one. What a week! Toronto two O K C, New Orleans, Memphis, Lakers twice. Could be exhausted at the end of this stretch. We'll see how the Jazz hold it together. This is Locked On Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. Monday edition of Locked On NBA is always my favorite. It's Josh Lloyd with the local experts on the biggest stories. Plus, Hollinger and Duncan comes out as well. So tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of podcast Locked On NBA. Have a great day. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.